Welcome to the Vintage Church Podcast. Through this podcast, we hope to challenge and equip you to take your next step in your relationship with Jesus and in living and loving like Him. The Old Testament gives us the story of a man named Daniel who found himself in a position full of temptation at every turn. He had multiple opportunities to exchange God's way for another path, an exchange he never made, and God honored him for it. We face choices that can shape our destiny, and far too frequently, we take the path of least resistance. Let's learn from Daniel's courage and find the faith to avoid the traps of the exchange. If you um, have been praying for rain, stop it. Seriously. Back in the fall, we did a series, and we talked about Elijah, and I made a comment that rain was on the way. I'm sorry. Uh, Now, can I just declare, sunshine, please, Jesus, and all of two or or three are gathered in agreement, let there be sunshine. Amen, somebody? All right. Yeah. Well, good morning. Uh, My name is Matt. Uh, They call me one of the pastors around here, uh, and they let me preach from time to time. So uh, today, um, uh, we're diving right in. Um, there, there's, two, there's two realities that, that you need to be aware of if you're not. There's a couple things you need to wrestle with. Number one is there is a God, a God, one God, who made everything, including you. And he has a desire for your life. And he has laid out how he wants you to live that life so that you can experience his best in this world. And his truth is the only way that you are ever going to find fulfillment. That's just the reality of it. And I know that like, like that may be something that you're wrestling with or you're confused about or you're still trying to figure, figure out. But, but before you can really do anything else in your life, you've got to settle that question. Before you can understand you, you have to know him. And when you settle in and you see him and you know who he is, you understand that his truth is out there. And and it's not for your limitation, it's for your protection. Like everything he said to do and everything he said not to do, it's with intention and it's with purpose because he loves you and wants what's best for you. But you also have to know like you have an adversary. You have an enemy. The devil, Satan, however you want to refer to him. Like, and he is just as real as God. Not nearly as powerful, but just as real. And from the onset, he has tried to convince you to buy the lie. Like that has been his tactic from the very beginning. That God has said certain things to humanity that that we needed to know and that we need to live out and that we need to follow. And from the onset of humanity, the enemy's tactic has not changed. His game is lame. Like he has not, from, from, from the garden to now, What he does to try to trip you up is no different now than it was then. What he tries to convince you is that God didn't say what you know he said. He's trying to get you to buy the lie. If you go all the way back to the very beginning, Adam and Eve are tempted in the garden and the devil says, well, this is what needs to happen. And, and they say, no, 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 this is what God said. Like, we can't go against God. And they try that tactic of, oh, God didn't really say that. Or the consequences that you think will happen for making that decision are not really there. In other words, from the very beginning, he's tried to get you to make an exchange. To exchange God's truth for his lie. That's what he wants. 
And so you're living in that tension. And every day your life puts you at that intersection between God's truth and the enemy's lie. And we've all had a moment or moments or multiple moments where we've made a bad exchange. You ever made a bad exchange? Just in general, not just in life. You ever just, like you ever, you, you, you ever bought a car you shouldn't have bought? Or maybe married something you thought you shouldn't have married? Do not look at your spouse right now. That would be a bad idea. <laughs> like we, we've all made a bad exchange. Like we've all been guilty of what we've been reading about the last several weeks. The last several weeks we've been opening with this passage. It's Romans chapter 1. Pick up with verse 22. It says, although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like a mortal human being and birds and animals and reptiles. Like, from the beginning, we have, we have wanted a God. And like, even to the point where, even if we rejected the one true God, we would, we would make images or we would, we would find something to be our God. Like, that's, that's a natural part of all of us. Because you were created by God and in his image. And there is a God-shaped hole in your soul. And your whole life, you're trying to fill that gap. And if you don't use him to do it, you'll try to find something else. That's why people get addicted to drugs. That's why people get addicted to relationships. That's why people get addicted to making money. That's why people get addicted to cars. That's why people get addicted to shoes. Because there's something in you that's longing for something bigger than yourself. So much, if you don't find it in him, you're going to look for it somewhere. Come on. You're going to look for it somewhere. And he says, verse 24, Therefore God gave them over and the sinful desires of their hearts, the sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie. And worship and created and worship and serve created things rather than the Creator who was forever praised. Amen. Like Paul's writing about a culture that's continuing to make a bad exchange. They exchange the truth for a lie. And as as much as we look at these people, like that's something that we're all constantly tempted to do. And the whole point of this series is to try to get us to a position where we have the strength and the courage to not make a bad exchange. That we want to live in obedience to God. Because we believe that he is good and what he wants for us is good. And to follow him is good and to experience him is good. Even though sometimes it doesn't feel good. We're going to live out obedience to God. And it's hard to do in a culture that seems to be flowing in the opposite direction of scripture. Because it seems like at every turn we're placed in a culture in our office or in our home or in our school or in our neighborhood or maybe even like even within our own families, like we're in a culture that's flowing the opposite direction of Scripture, and that makes following Him very, very difficult. That it's easy to get caught up and go with the flow, amen? It's hard to follow God, even though we know all these things, because it seems like everybody around us, and somehow, somewhere along the way, we isolated peer pressure to a group of students. And peer pressure is something we all deal with till the day we die. We want to live in obedience to God. But we want to do it in the right way. That we don't want to ever compromise. Because there's not a single bit of God's word that doesn't matter. That we want to live in obedience to God, but we want to also do it in a way that doesn't destroy our influence with others. 
Like, that's what God has called us to do. Yeah, he's called us to live in obedience to him, like to honor his commands and honor his precepts and honor what he said in his word, but stand up and stay up in a way that just doesn't stomp on everybody else. And if we're, if we're honest with ourselves, there's been moments when so much of the Christian culture has used God's truth as a club to beat people to death with. We focused on telling people how evil they are instead of showing them how good God is. Y'all got to talk to me today. Come on. So we've been learning how to do this. Being reminded that it's possible that you can live in obedience to God without destroying your influence with others. That, yeah, there's going to be moments when your stance for God, when you live out your faith in Jesus in such a way that people don't get it, they don't understand it, and they are offended. That may be the result, but that can never be the intent. You never have the right to disrespect, degrade, or devalue another human being. Talk to me. Come on. Like, you never have a right to do that. So it's not, God's not just concerned that you stand. He's concerned how you stand. When you take that stand in such a way that, yeah, it honors him, but it, it, it loves other people. And I know that's a difficult tension that we live in, but that's our goal, that we live in such a way that we honor God, but we also protect our influence with others because we are the vehicle to take his truth to the world. And when we constantly are doing it in a way that's eroding our influence and hurting our ability to help people understand the same truth that we know. And the reason why I believe we can do it, as I've said throughout this series, is because I, we see it happen. We see it happen in Scripture. We see people like Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego live in a, in a way that honors God and still keeps their, in, not only doesn't decrease their influence, but grows and increases their influence. And so we've been learning lessons from their lives, figuring out how do we live in obedience without destroying our influence. But there's something that, that Daniel realizes in chapter 9 that that is important for us to have a conversation about as we wrap this series up today. Go to Daniel chapter 9. Again, remember what's happened. At this point, Daniel is an older man. He's plucked from the nation of Judah, the, the southern kingdom of the nation of Israel, when he's just a kid. Judah had been overtaken by this, this place called the Babylonians. King Nebuchadnezzar had ripped up all the young guys who had any kind of potential, dropped them a thousand miles away from everything they'd ever known and ever experienced. Imagine that, like as a teenager, you're ripped from your family, you're ripped from your faith, you're ripped from all the things that you've ever known, and you're placed in a, in a culture that is against everything that you've ever believed. And somehow, even in the spite of all those circumstances, Daniel, generation after generation, maintains a stance for God. He manages to live out his faith constantly. Some of us will walk out of this building today, and by 10 o'clock tomorrow in our office, we'll have caved. We'll have compromised in some way. But Daniel did it generation after generation after generation. And now as an old man, Daniel has this revelation that gives him some insight into how he got into the position that he was in. Look at Daniel chapter 9, pick up with verse 1. It says, In the first year of Darius, son of Xerxes, a Mede by descent, who was made ruler over the Babylonian kingdom, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood from the scriptures, according to the word of the Lord given to Jeremiah, the prophet, that the desolation of Jerusalem would last 70 years. Stop right there. Do you notice what's happening? Daniel just revealed that he constantly was in the word. So if you ever wondered how Daniel was able to live out the word, he read the word. Because if you don't read the word, you cannot live out the word.
Verse 3, so, so I turned to the Lord and pleaded with him in prayer and petition and fasting and in sackcloth and ashes. Verse 4, I prayed to the Lord my God and confessed. Now, listen, just listen to his words. He said, Lord, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keep his commands, we have sinned and done wrong. We have been wicked and have rebelled. We have turned away from your commands and laws. We have not listened to your servants, the prophets, who spoke in your name to our kings, our princes, and our ancestors, and to all the people of the land. Drop down to verse 13. Just as it is written in the law of Moses, all this disaster has come on us, yet we have not sought the favor of the Lord our God by turning from our sins and giving our attention to your truth. Daniel has a revelation that how we got here, how we ended up in this position, how we ended up in this place was because somewhere along the way, our ancestors made the exchange. Like that's how we got here. Because there was a generation before Daniel that didn't have the courage to do what Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had done. They had given in. That Daniel's forefathers had stood at that intersection that we've been talking about of truth and lie. And when put in that position and having to make a choice, all right, am I going to follow God's truth or I'm going to buy the devil's lie? They bought the lie. And that's how they ended up here. There's a couple things you need to know about that. Number one, like when we make that exchange, it never affects just us. I know a lot of times we make that exchange because we think we're only hurting ourselves. And let me just, let's just be really honest. When you make the decision to choose the devil's lie instead of God's truth, there's a simple word for that, sin. I know that's not a popular word. I know that, it, and you know what's sad? It's becoming a really unpopular word even in the church. But there's, when you choose to go any other way, when you don't do what God has said to do, and when you do what God has said not to do, it's sin. It's just that simple. And when you make that exchange, it has repercussions for you and for the people around you. I'll say it like this. If you go with the flow, there will be a fallout. If you go with the flow, there will be a fallout. That's why we're talking about this. That's why we got to have this conversation. Because if you make the exchange, if I make the exchange, there will be consequences. Are you going to, here's another cheesy preacher line. When you buy the lie, things die. When you buy the lie, things die. See, the reason why the enemy wants you to choose the lie over the truth is because he wants you to feel the death, the separation, the isolation from God that he feels. And when you buy the lie, there's a fallout. When we make the decision to make, to, to make the exchange, there's consequences. Who has scars because you've done it? I don't know about you, but I've had many times in my life when I've chosen to buy the lie. When I stood at the intersection of truth and lie, and I didn't choose truth, I went the other way. And let me tell you something, there was times it was fun for a little while. You always tell me, I wouldn't, sin's fun. If it wasn't fun, nobody would do it. Like, what's he preaching? Truth, right here. This is, this is real as this is going to get. 
Nobody would sin if sin wasn't fun for a little while. But it's for a little while. It has a shelf life. It has a season. And the only destination when you buy the lie is death. That's the only place it can lead. And I know there are people in the room, and like, you're ignoring this whole battle because you're like, you know what? I haven't lived God's truth for a long time, and I'm fine. Are you? See, the enemy will lull you into a false sense of security. Even you have a little bit of blessing, a little bit of money in your pocket, decent things going on in your life, and you just convince yourself, well, I don't have to do it God's way. But Scripture is so clear. Romans chapter 6, verse 22 it says, but now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the benefit you reap leads to holiness, and the result is eternal life. Verse 23, but for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Like when you make this, this is why it's important for us to have this conversation. Because when you buy the lie, eventually you will die. Like when you choose Something other than God's truth, eventually that area that you're choosing the lie in, it eventually, when, when you don't follow God's truth in your finances, eventually you will end up financially dead. When you don't buy, when you don't follow God's truth in your relationships, eventually, relationally, you will be dead. If you don't follow whatever area it is, when you choose to walk outside of God's design and God's standard in that area of life, the only way that it will eventually lead is death. Come on. Like, that's just, that's just where it's going to be. And you know what? I've tried it, and so have you. My heart is just as scarred as yours is for the times I bought the lie. We've all had those moments when, when we exchanged God's truth for a lie. And, and some of us are living that right now. You're just having fun. But hear the testimony of some of us who've experienced the death. And let, you, let me just let you know, like, there's only one way it can end up. It's like some, watching somebody stand on the train tracks with a train coming, and you having the ability to tell them to jump, and them not listening. Like, God didn't set this up so that and again, man, everything that God said is true. And there is no truth outside of God and outside of his word. I hear this saying all the time, well, tell your truth. Like, truth is truth. Truth is truth. And when we exchange the truth for a lie, you will die. And I think a lot of us know that, right? And a lot of us know that, and we still make the exchange. And the question is, why? Knowing what we know, why would we do that? Why would we exchange truth for a lie if we know the lie will eventually lead in death? And I'm just going to be really honest with you today. There's two reasons why throughout my life I've made a bad exchange. And maybe these won't connect to you. Maybe they won't relate to you. But these are mine, okay? Say amen. There's two reasons why throughout my life I've made a bad exchange. Ignorance and arrogance. That's been the two most common reasons for my willingness to exchange a lie. Ignorance. I just didn't know any better. Arrogance. I thought I knew better. Ignorance. I couldn't, I didn't have the ability to distinguish what was true. Arrogance. I thought I had the ability to decide what was true. 
And both things, if they're present in your heart, in your life, in your mind, you will buy the lie. Ignorance. There's times we buy the lie just out of pure ignorance. We just, we just don't know any better. A lot of times it's because it's just, we're just uninformed. Like there's a lot of people in the room like you're, you're buying the lie because, because you, don't, you don't know any better. Maybe you're new to the faith and you're still learning God's word and you're still trying to understand all these things and still trying to figure it out. Can I just say forgive the church for the lack of grace they've had with you? That's good preaching, y'all. y'all come on. Like, for, like forgive the church for the time they put expectations on you that, that, that you didn't deserve quite yet. Because they forgot when they first got saved, they didn't know everything either. And they still don't. Like there's a time when, when you know what, we, we make the exchange just out of ignorance because we're, maybe we're new to the faith or maybe we're new to the word and we, there's just so much that yet we've yet to learn and, and we haven't had somebody to come alongside of us and speak into us and, and grow us up and invest in us and help us understand what it means. Or sometimes, you know what, you're uninformed just because you're not taking the initiative that you need to learn If you love Jesus and you want to grow in Jesus, you've got to own your own discipleship. The church does not exist to just spin through you, little baby. Like you've got to own it. As a church, like as our church, we try to provide as many opportunities as we can for you to have exposure to the Word and to get into the Word and do what you need to do so you're informed about what He desires for your life. But, but like you've got to take advantage of them. And you've got to stop saying you're so busy. If you get too busy to grow in your faith, then you're dangerously busy. That's why you heard Chris mention stuff like labs. Like we've intentionally this year decided to do those labs as a way of helping people better understand the word. And so every three weeks you have an opportunity to come out here on a Wednesday night and, and learn how to study the word so that you aren't uninformed about what his word says about a lot of stuff. Got to own it. Because... It, in ignorance, you'll make the exchange just because you don't know any better, because you haven't studied the Word, because you haven't learned those things. You're uninformed. But in your pursuit to know, be sure not to be ignorant because you get misinformed. Because there's a lot of misinformation going out there about what God's Word says and doesn't say. It's a dangerous time that we live in. Because sometimes we can go out there to pursue what God's Word says and we can be dangerously misinformed. Let me let you, do not let Google shape your theology. Do not let social media shape your ideology. Go out there and learn it for yourself. And there are going to be some people that under the umbrella of Christianity make claims about what the word says that it does not say. Later on this year, God's calling me to dive deep into some subjects that, if I'm really honest with you, they ain't going to be fun. They're going to make some people mad. But I'm concerned with the way that because we're either scared or we choose comfort over conviction, the way that I'm watching sometimes Scripture be manipulated over some very important issues. And I look at things that Jesus said and throughout the New Testament that kind of warns us about this. Matthew 7, watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit, 
you will recognize them. Or what Paul said to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 3, for the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. There'll be a time that people make an exchange out of ignorance because they're misinformed, not because they're uninformed, but because the word has been manipulated and twisted and watered down to fit what's culturally comfortable. 1 John 4, 1. Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Like there's this warning about when culture starts shifting, there will be a bunch of misinformation that we have to deal with. Dive in. Because you can only, like, in ignorance you will make a bad exchange. We have all done it. Just the things that even like growing up that, that I was indoctrinated in that were really more cultural than biblical. There's some people that, that think the way we do church is crazy. It's too loud in there. But last week you had the race turned up so loud the walls were about to cave in. You talk about it's loud in here. What you talking about? You need to make sure that you're doing what you need to do to be informed and properly informed because ignorance will cause you to make a bad exchange. But it's not only been ignorance for me. There's times it's just been arrogance. It wasn't because I didn't know what God's word said. It wasn't because I was misinformed about what God's word said. It's because in that moment, I didn't think I had to listen. I thought I could be my own God. There have been many times in my life when I made, I exchanged the lie for the truth knowing full well what the truth was, but I chose the lie anyway. Because the lie looked more fun, or the lie was more appealing, or the lie met a need that I thought I had to solve my emotions or my hormones or whatever it might have been. There's been times when I knew exactly what God said, but I chose that I would be God instead of Him being God, and I made the decision that I wanted to make. It wasn't because I couldn't distinguish the truth, because I thought I had the right to decide the truth. That God's way was limiting me and keeping me from the life that I thought I needed and I wanted. And in arrogance, I made the decision to do the things that I wanted to do because I thought I had the right to make that decision. And you live in a culture that's going to want to feed that. Like, be your own person. Be your own God. Do you. You have every right. You've worked hard for it. You've earned it. But what I've learned is what I feel and what I think never can supersede what God has said. I'm going to say that one more time. What I feel and what I think can never supersede what God has said. And if you start, I have people come to me all the time and say, because uh, they want to ask me about different issues that culture is facing. What do you think? And I'll answer that every time. Like, it doesn't matter what I think. This is what I'm confident that the Bible says. Because in arrogance, we'll make the exchange. And, and like, see, that's, I think it was more out of arrogance. And most of the people in Scripture got into trouble. The people that Daniel talking about, it wasn't ignorance. It was arrogance. Rome, in, in Romans chapter 1, go back to Romans chapter 1. It's exactly what Paul's talking about. For all they, they, although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him. But their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts 
were darkened. And then it jumps into verse 22, which we've already read. It says, they, they knew God. They knew what he wanted, but they made the decision arrogantly to go the opposite direction. Nehemiah chapter 9, verse 16. But they, our ancestors, became arrogant and stiff-necked, and they did not obey your commands. They refused to listen and failed to remember the miracles you performed among them. They became stiff-necked and in their rebellion appointed a leader in order to return to their slavery. But you are forgiving God, gracious, compassionate, slow to anger, and abounding in love. Proverbs 18.2 Fools find no pleasure in understanding, but delight in airing their own opinions, that it becomes about us and our arrogance and our desires and our wants for us. Those are the two things that have most often taken control in my life that have caused me to make a bad exchange. And maybe, just maybe, like you've experienced the same thing, that when you found yourself in those moments when you stood at the intersection of truth and lie and you had the opportunity to go God's way or to go some other way less than, maybe it was out of ignorance because you just didn't know any better. Maybe you were uninformed or misinformed. Or maybe, just maybe, more often, you're like me and it was just pure arrogance. I thought I didn't have to listen to God. I thought I could do my own thing. I bought Satan's lie that I could do it and it would not have the penalty that God said it would. And you know what? To this point, God has never struck me down for sinning, thank the Lord. But you know what? In those moments when I know that I've, com- I've gotten into sin, sometimes I would rather be dead than feel the guilt and shame that we feel sometimes when we make those decisions. Anybody been there? That shame and that guilt just eats you alive. And it paralyzes you when you make those decisions. Because see, when you make the exchange, the consequences are bad. They always are. And maybe it's good for a little while. So we got to get to this point where like we, we don't let arrogance and ignorance take over. And the only way to do that is to start off with you got to have biblical knowledge. You got to know what God's word says and you got to know it for yourself. Now you may be in here and you don't believe a thing I'm saying. And you, you don't have a single bit of desire to please God. You don't believe his way is the right way. But if you're here and that's your heart, to follow God's truth. How are you going to know a truth you've never learned, you never studied, you never dug into? How do you even know that what's coming from this platform is alignment with God's word if you're never diving into it? You ought to be able to lay everything I say from this platform versus his word. And if there's ever a moment that I speak something that you feel like is outside of God's word, you have my permission to come check me on it. We will have a conversation. I will win, but we will have a conversation. not about winning because let me tell you before anybody steps up on this platform I hope you know that what is going to come out of their mouth has been prayed over studied over poured over asking God to be very pick over it with a fine tooth comb because James very clearly tells us that those who teach are hold to a higher standard and literally if you ever feel like anything is being said from this platform that's not in line with God's word let's have a conversation because one of us is wrong and it might be us and we're not above having those conversations because we want the truth to come out in this building. Always, unequivocally. And we shouldn't be afraid of those questions if we've studied it ourselves. Anybody that gets offended when their questions has not done the study that they need to, that they need to do. We look at questions as not offensive, but as opportunities to dive deeper. 
biblical knowledge. I want the heart like David had. Psalm 119. How can a young man, a young person stay on the path of purity? By living according to your word. I seek your word with my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Praise be to you, Lord. Teach me your decrees. With my lips I recount all the laws that come from your mouth. Like this desire to just be in the word. There's some people in the room. The last time you read scripture was the last time you were in this room and it was on those screens. And that's not going to do it. It's not going to do it. And I will submit to you, because you're bored and you read the verse of the day while you're sitting on the toilet, that's not reading the Bible. That's great. I'm glad you do that. Keep doing it. But it's going to take more. Come on. It's almost like we feel like, well, I read the verse of the day in the bathroom this morning. I'm good. It's not enough. Not with the world that we live in, that at every turn is challenging your beliefs and getting, putting, putting you in a position where you have to give an account for it. And wait and let me talk to my pastor about that and I'll get back to you. Ain't the right answer. Dive in. Biblical knowledge. But biblical knowledge has to be accompanied by bold obedience. Biblical knowledge on its own is not enough. You can't just know it. You got to live it. You got to live it. It's the heart of what James is saying in James chapter 1. where he, we're, re, we're reading through the book of James in my life group right now. And you want to talk about a book that just stomps all over your feet. James 1. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. He dives deeper into this thought in chapter 2. Go to chapter 2, verse 14. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. Like what good is it to acknowledge that the Bible says you're supposed to love people, but then you not actively love people? What good is it to have that knowledge, to know that in your head, and even maybe feel it a little bit in your heart, but it not pour out of your life? Biblical knowledge combined with bold obedience. And you know what I'm guilty of sometimes? Biblical knowledge with begrudging obedience. Okay, God, I'll do that because you make me because I'll feel bad and I don't want to go to hell, so I'm going to do it. You laugh because you've done it. Like, it's not, out of, it's not out of joy. It's not out of deep love for him. It's out of fear. It's out of, like, I'm, I'm just going to check about, I'm just going to do it. It's begrudging obedience. It's not bold obedience. And that's not what he desires. Obedience. Psalm 119, look what he says back to David's psalm. I rejoice in following your statutes as one rejoices in great riches. Like, I rejoice in following you as much as I rejoice in, in, in getting new stuff. I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word. Biblical knowledge combined with bold obedience is what God has called us to do. Because every day we're going to find ourselves at that intersection of truth and lie. 
And if we make the wrong exchange, the consequences are so severe that we can't afford to do it anymore. And you know, it's, I know it's easy to hear a message like this and start thinking about like those majorly sinful things. Again, we compromise because we categorize. We start putting these things into big sins and little sins, that kind of stuff. But it's not just in those areas. Like it's one thing that's like, all right, I know what the truth says about this issue, and so I'm not going to do it. But even like when you buy the lie in other things, like forgiveness. Well, you know, the truth is that you have to forgive people or else it's going to eat you alive. But the lie is don't forgive them because they don't deserve it. And you buy the lie and that bitterness eats you alive until you get to the point of death. Sometimes we don't think about those exchanges. Or the truth that you are a child of God, forgiven and free, and the lie from the devil is, no, you're dirty, you're nasty, you're broken, and you're never going to be anything. When you buy that lie, it ends in, see, like, it's, it's so many layers to this thing. I know we kind of want to put it down too well. The truth says, this is what I'm supposed to do, and this is what I'm not. But even what God is saying to you and about you, when you buy that lie, you'll start buying the other lies. Don't buy the lie. Because when you buy the lie, you die. Don't make the exchange. And I know there are people right here now under the sound of my voice that like you made the exchange a long time ago and you've been walking the lie path for a really long time. And the lie he's trying to get you to buy right now is you're too far gone. You've been walking the direction of the lie for so long there's no coming back. That's a lie. Because the good news is no matter how many times or how often you've made a bad exchange, God still offers you an invitation to come back. So you take a moment, bow your heads, close your eyes with me. I'm going to open up this platform and turn it into an altar, and I'm going to invite you to do something because I think there's something powerful but just about this gesture. That if you're here and you know... Maybe you've just been walking the lie your whole life and you know the truth is that God does love you. He did send his son to die for you and forgiveness is found in him and Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life and you need to walk to him and fall in his arms and accept his salvation. Or maybe, you know what, you're that person that like you've been making some exchanges that you've gotten a little bit too comfortable with. There's some areas of your life where you've exchanged truth with a lie and like you've just settled into that. You believe in Jesus, you know who God is, but in your arrogance, you think you can get away with that little bitty exchange that's not so little bitty. As we worship and as God moves in your heart, I'm going to invite you, if you're in one of those kind of camps where you're making a lot of exchanges or just a handful or just one, as we worship, will you get up out of your seat, come kneel at this altar and pray. I know you can do that right where you are, and that's fine. I get it. But there's something symbolic and powerful about making that gesture of I'm standing up. I'm moving out. I'm moving away from the lie and toward the truth and falling at the feet of Jesus and allowing him to bring me healing and peace and forgiveness and comfort as we worship. And as God moves on your heart, if you feel led to do that, come. You can kneel. You can stand. And just come back. God, I pray for the people that are in this room and even now as people are beginning to come that your spirit will wash over. You'd speak to hearts and lives. You'd move in us. You'd make a difference in our lives. You'd change us this day, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the Vintage Church Podcast. 
To stay connected with what's happening at Vintage, download the Vintage Church app to access sermon notes, events, devotionals, previous podcasts, and discover ways to get connected in community. We hope you join us again soon.